Welcome to Sports Beat Kansas City. This is the Royals podcast. Sam Mellinger is here. Vahe Gregorian is here. Brooke Pryor is here, but she's going to be leaving soon, our Chiefs beat writer. <laughs> and I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and we're going to we're going to spend the next few minutes talking Kansas City Royals. Uh, as we record this, uh, the Royals are preparing to finish their three-game series at Pittsburgh, and they stand at, I think it's 52 and 99. I don't know about the 52, but I'm pretty sure about the 99. So it's pretty uh, pretty obvious that the... Okay. Sam Sam assures us that I'm right on the 52. So it's pretty obvious that the Royals are going to lose 100 games, and that hasn't happened since the the dark days of the mid-2000s. Uh, I guess that's what we call that, uh, the first decade of, of the 21st century. So um, 100 losses is a bad look, and it's not what we thought we were going to see from the Royals when the season started. I don't think any of us anticipated a playoff team. I don't think the Royals anticipated a playoff team, but I also don't think they saw 100 losses coming. How much of a bad look is it? So uh, me and Vahe were actually talking about this uh, a little bit in the Chiefs locker room, which is where you discuss the 2006 <laughs> Royals, but uh, I actually don't think it's that bad of a look. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. Like, And look, like I come from this, like I'm very much on Team Tank. Like there's value in losing. Um, play your young guys draft high. You're the 21st century analyst, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I get like the Royals could not be like more against that, right? But uh, so I guess maybe it's not a surprise that I don't think this is that big of a deal. But it's especially not that big of a deal because they kind of – I don't want to say like they, they didn't abandon what they planned on doing. But they, they, they really shifted. And, you know, a team that was old and um, slow – and without a future with the organization in the beginning is now young and fast and athletic and under long-term club control. So you get Lucas Duda out and now you're playing Ryan O'Hearn. Uh, Alcides Escobar is still in the lineup, but he's no longer the everyday shortstop. Now that's um, Adalbert <laughs> Mondesi. Uh, <laughs> Mondi. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike Moustakis, uh, fan favorite for good reason. But now Hunter Dozier, who's 26 or 25, uh, you know, uh, Brett Phillips, um, you know, Brad Keller. Geez. So my point is, like, if, if you're losing games with those kinds of guys, like you're getting to see what you have, that makes you better for the future. And it's a, makes it a lot more palatable to, you know, to watch. And so so and actually, I don't even think it's that big of a deal that they're losing 100 games because this was a team that they expected to lose 90 some. And if you're projecting 93 and now you're going to lose 102, it's not that big of a difference, you know. Um, so I actually, like, take some encouragement from the season uh, for the future. I think they're speeding up the rebuild. What they, they kind of planned for this to be like this sort of fake compete thing where they were going to try and win 75 or whatever. And now they're for, they're forced to, to play the young guys. I like it. I think it's good for their long term. You know, I'll say this. I was all for, like, Duda and John Day, uh, John Jay at the start of the season – just on the assumption that they might bridge the gap a little bit. But I think that the thing – and bridge the gap in the fake way Sam's saying I think is about right. Like, that you know, okay, we're going to have an okay product. Yeah. But I think the thing that's, that's really interesting here is one of the com- complaints I would make, one of, the, one of the weaknesses you would point out about this team in, in its early going that sunk, sunk the season was it was just sort of a set of parts, misfit toys almost. And I think the thing that – 
that has flipped for me in these last few weeks is, of course, they're playing better. There's certain energy there. And now I'm looking at these parts and I'm thinking this is the start of parts that can the sum can be greater than or whatever that term would be applied here that you you see a place, Sam and I were joking about this term, but they're, they're, you can make a case they might be pushing off bottom right about now. Now, the direction they push may, may be uh, a little back and forth, maybe some wiggle room. Who knows if it's going to be direct trajectory. But uh, I'm struck by that. I, I, I think that uh, it's been kind of a really intriguing time to watch them now because they did make this shift. Yeah. Um, I also got thinking about one of Sam's... Uh, favorite quotes that I think it can't count as overused if I use Sam using it, but it's the, it's the Buddy Bell line, right? About you know, never let him tell you it, it can't get worse. And um, I've thought about that in the context of Dayton saying about mid-season, and, and it was pretty jarring when he said it, like that they thought next year was going to be the bad year. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that, but, but the point is, in, in Dayton saying that, I think it was about the same time they were like, okay, this is embarrassing. We've got to do, do something that sort of speaks to the future is now and make some of those tweaks. So, look, it's, it's, it's actually fun to watch right now. If you took away the numbers on it, they're kind of incidental. It, it's what have they done in the last six, eight weeks of the season. And uh, I think our friend Sam McDowell pointed out last week that September's, uh, September and March are the two great, great uh, deceiving months. But yeah. nonetheless – Beats the alternative. It is, and they are fun to watch. And it's it's fun to watch uh, Ryan O'Hearn. And it's fun to watch Hunter Dozier and and Modesty and the guys that you know are you know are pretty pretty sure are going to be around for the, the next few years. And we're, we're catching catching them at at uh, you know basically on the ground floor. So I, I agree with you, Bahe, that I was for bridging the gap with veterans. And John Jay had a nice couple of months with the Royals. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Duda, not not so much. Hurt and, early and, and hurt yeah, early, missed yeah. all the games. Um, but I, I I have heard the contrary that this you know not only should it not have they they shouldn't have done it this year they they should have started this process before this year. Right. Um, I think you're in that camp, aren't you, Sam? Yeah. Well. Well. And to Sam's of. credit, real quick here, I just want to say, Sam, this is not hindsight from Sam. I mean, Sam was like. 2015 World Series is over. Like, get rid of these guys. Yeah, I mean, not, not quite, but you were but you were at, on this from the get go. What I thought, like, my biggest frustration of anything they've done, maybe as a front office, was after 2016. I just thought you had to make a decision. Like after 2015, you can't break that team up. You were good they with 16, won, right? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you let them go, and then and look, they they ran into a lot of bad luck. Like you know that foul ball in Chicago that took out two All Stars. Um, I mean, that was. Whatever, like not, you, not you to can't. mention the tragedy and oh my gosh, in the yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you can't prepare for those kinds of things. But after 2016, I just thought you have to either decide we're going to go for it, and if you go for it, that means signing somebody like Josh Reddick and holding on to Wade Davis, and then you have a better team. Uh, you're probably going to lose some money. It's risky, whatever, but go for it, or you rebuild, and that's when you trade all those guys, and it's a little risky, and so. But they they kind of tried to do. They tried to do both, and so they ended up doing neither. Um, and and that's that was my biggest frustration. But I think like when Dayton said that about we thought next year was going to be the really rotten year, I don't know that they thought that they would be able to. And I get like what Sam McDowell just you know the the quote and the people in baseball say this all the time like about spring training in September yeah. they'll fool you. But it's not just September. I just looked this up. Um, by like since the All Star break, they're twenty five and thirty one, which isn't great, obviously. But they've only been outscored by two runs since the All-Star break. And that's a longer, you know, that's not just the last week 
or whatever. No. And, and they're above 500 over the last, what, two, three weeks, something like that. So it's a group that I think, because look, they didn't expect to get this out of Brad Keller. Right. For sure. No. Right. What a fine. Think, he, yeah. he turns out to be. Uh, Mondesi, I don't think they could have. They, they've always had high expectations, right. but they didn't think but he'd be this yeah. good like this, like offensively. I mean, he's killing it. Uh, so, I mean, they've, they've had some jumps up. Ryan O'Hearn, they had no way of, of, of expecting that kind of production. So, to me, I don't um, – I haven't asked Dayton this in, in a while, maybe a couple months about, um, you know, do you still expect eight or 19 to be the rough year, but I would imagine that they've kind of changed on that. And, you know, you're going to take your hundred loss and, and, and then go forward, but they've got some, you know, especially if they hit on the draft, right? Like when they went at all these high pick, was it five in the first 56 or whatever? Something like, maybe not even that, that high, maybe five and 40 or 45 yeah, or something. A ton of, yeah, yeah. If they hit on those guys, especially because those guys are all pitchers um, and that's where their holes are, Brad Keller aside, Right. Um, you know, that's where their holes are. Then this thing might be able to get moving a little bit faster than, you know, maybe you would have thought a year or two ago. Um, it's an interesting thing to think about just that point, because I, I have felt this way at different times. And I think I think I've heard you feel this way at different times and probably Blair, too. Like when when the dismantling began or whatever it is you want to call, you know, what happened between last season and this season full on it. Did is your time frame overall? Uh, your expectation of a time frame for true competitiveness farther ahead or farther behind what you yeah. thought it would be like what are you still thinking 2021 if i i think you thought that before but i might That's be putting I'd that be, in yeah. your mouth yeah i mean i, th- I think 20 is like amb- like ambitious you know what i mean um and, and 21 is is a little bit more realistic um, you know, by 21, Mondesi by then will be, what, 25? I think he's 22 now. He was 22. Um, so he'll be 25. That's kind of when you start being a big old stud. And, you know, if, if he really is sort of Francisco Lindor with more strikeouts, uh, which is kind of what he looks like. You'll, take, take that oh my and gosh, run with you that. Will take that. Um, you know, uh, Sal Perez will be older. Um, you never know how long he can play catcher. Although, you know, the baseball people are kind of split on this. Either they see a big body and, you know, Joe Maurer, or some of them say, look, like he's already gotten beat around, mm-hmm. but look how flexible he is. Um, you know, he keeps him, you know, like, like just the flexibility and all that. Um, you know, maybe he'll be able to stay there a little bit longer. But Whit Merrifield is in the prime of his career, apparently, uh, and just, a stud in so many different ways. And they got, you know, if they get some young pitchers to, to step up a little bit, I mean, you can squint your eyes and imagine them being maybe the 2016 twins next year, you know, just like a surprise wild card type team. But to me, that's a, you wouldn't expect that. And and maybe the year after is when some of those, some of the draft picks, maybe Brady singers up by then, you know, like so, some of those guys might be up. Oh, and, right. Yeah. And, and, and not just that, but like some of the, like, um, the outfielders, right? Um, Lily, I mean, or yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know Sal Perez, but then they've got uh, MJ Melendez, who a lot of people are huh. really, you know, baseball person. Like he said, when when you see him, you're going to see Benito Santiago. Well, that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah, no, that's you a know, perennial all star. Works, yeah. Benito Santiago was. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. 
If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town, just eight cents a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash SportsPass. You know, before before we spin this thing totally uh, forward, I you know, we we talked about where hindsight's always you know twenty twenty, sure. and w- it was the fourteen and fifteen championship years were unexpected in terms of the the, the distance at the Royals. We expected them to be good and build toward you know a, a playoff level team, and then when they they almost won it in fourteen and won it in fifteen. I wasn't ready for them not to continue to be good, mm-hmm. um, and they were they were average. They were average, obviously five hundred in in, uh, in in sixteen and seventeen, and I I was okay with that to an extent. I just thought they're competitive. They still have the guys that my kids grew up watching, you know, yeah. and 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 I, I think that you know this this is this is fine. I was just living in the here and now. And um, and it's going to be painful. It's this year has been painful. The next couple years are going to be painful. I hate hearing about 2021. I, I'm ticked off that the Cleveland Indians have built an built an organization that they could take advantage of the Royals, the White Sox, the Twins, and the Tigers all yeah. being you know rebuilding or regenerating. And they're not. The Indians aren't a championship. They're not a World Series championship level team. But they win the division every stink, every stinking year. The Royals have won one division in almost thirty years. That's right. And <clears throat> and, and I, you know, I I wanted the Roy- maybe the my problem is the failure of sixteen and seventeen not to capitalize on the roster. Yeah. You know, and, and and as you said, as you pointed out, the the not knowing being indecisive after sixteen was set up bad seventeen and yeah. it set up this the, the future that we're the, the the present that we have now. I don't know. So that's that's kind of that's sort of my sense of disappointment in the organization yeah. um, n- not to take advantage of a division that's ready for someone to be good and take take advantage of mm-hmm. and they couldn't the Royals couldn't couldn't figure out a way to do it they, Sam, had, they had holes in the draft and, and, and really they absolutely had holes in the draft and that yeah. and, look at those number one picks in the yeah. last decade uh-huh. or, 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 right or, or well, last seven eight nine years right right the the Christian Colognes mm-hmm. you know, th- those drafts yeah um, and, and yeah, there's so many. I mean, right now you think about Zimmer, you think about Aaron Bubba, Crow. Aaron Crow. I yeah. mean, it, it's uh, how much um, former All Star Aaron Crow. That's, yes, that's right. He was. He represented. Yes, he was. <laughs> um, I, I'd say this uh, in my conversations with Dayton, and probably conversations you've had too. It it seems to me he's as conscious of this as or more than, of course, than fans or than we are, and thus quite cognizant of trying to build sustainability as they set about this process, how complicated is it to try to be fast and sustainable? I mean, is that a, are those at odds? I think they are. Don't you guys like, I mean, I just think like part of the reason they're in this mess is that they didn't reset earlier, you know, cause they tried to do both. And, and I get like, you know, the Cardinals are a 
a good example that people bring up. That, that <laughs> That's the one that gets blared oh, every time. It just yeah. eternally, eternally frustrates me that yeah. they are they have figured out the way to be good uh-huh. and competitive, and every single year there are no dips with the Cardinals. Totally, there is no, there are no dips. Yeah, um, that's what I want for this organization. Yeah, yeah. and there's. Maybe not twenty nine, but there's probably twenty six teams that would like. To I, do, know, I, I know, you know I know, I know. But but the Cardinals are the ones that are two hundred and forty miles away. <laughs> yes, you know, yes, in the yes. same residing in the same state, paying the same taxes, <laughs> getting the, the same tax money. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, I, to me, I think that's probably um, like the biggest criticism, the fairest criticism of Dayton, uh, and the one that he probably takes the hardest and the most personally like the one that he th- he would say like this is where we failed um because that's not you know he look where he came from right that was oh, the no, most sustained the, winning and the gold standard of consistent baseball consistency. like recent baseball history right. right like 30s 40s 50s yankees but um and i think that's how he thought it was going to go here and and i just maybe maybe my expectations are high enough um like you know maybe that's on me but i just don't think that's realistic in you know, the number 29 market, you know, in baseball with an owner that's not going to extend, you know, an owner that even in the midst of a World Series run is saying this has to be payroll neutral if we're going to if we're going to trade. Uh, yeah, I, I just those types of things. I just don't know how realistic it is that, that you know, their down year is going to be 85 wins or whatever, which which Cardinals did one year and ended up in the World Series. Right? They, won the World Series. Yeah, 83. They went 83 and yeah. like 79 yeah. or whatever. Beat the Tigers oh in, the, in the series. I think that was 2006. It was six. Yeah. It was six, yeah. which so, happens to be the yes. last year that the, the previous year the Royals lost 100. <laughs> yeah, that was the Royals rebuilding. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh. Hey, a, a twist on this, by the way, is if the Royals do win the World Series, the next World Series in the state of Missouri, They'll have won as many World Series in their existence as the Cardinals have in that span. So they're just one behind, huh? Just one behind. Of course, one of them's the the pivot one. (laughs) 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 It's just kind of an interesting, you know, side note. I mean, but but the point is, you'd rather be in it all the time, right? I mean, it's it's, not being in it is really empty. I think you'd rather have, like, the Royals last 15 years or whatever than always being like the third best team in baseball right like i think like you'd want the parade yes yeah that, yeah if you, you know. if you promised a parade yeah. and and but what in the other year the you know yeah. going to the ninth inning at game seven yeah you know, yeah, yeah yes but I, there's yeah but like there's still no question like it, it was just a, a, a kind of a jagged road that they came to right like um you know our time in 2012 that <laughs> turned out to be just an embarrassment um you know th- that was supposed to be you know, maybe what 2013 ended up and 2013 should have been what 14, you know, yeah. and 16 should have been better than it was. They, they just kind of like, you know, but 14 and 15 should never have been what they were either. Really? Right. I mean, I couldn't say should never have been, but that, that was, well, you had an 89 win team go to game seven, the world series and lost to an 88 win team in the world series. Right. But then they were the best team in baseball in 15 and they really were, they, they were. And, and they're, you know, maybe one other time in 50 years, the Royals could have said something like that. Yeah, they, they were the best team. I remember thinking about this, too, at the time. And look, like we were all kind of wrapped up in it and maybe, you know, forced and trees and all that stuff. But um, I thought they were one of the better World Series champions of the last 10 years or so when they won it. That was a really good team. And they, they didn't have like the, you know, sort of, you know, surefire like Hall of Famer or whatever. But that was just a damn good team top to well, bottom. 
the 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 twenty two and nine postseason record of the fourteen and fifteen teams is uh, I think it's unsurpassed in terms of number of, they, they maxed out on the number of wins except mm. for minus one yeah. because they lost game seven and I don't think there's been mm. a team in baseball history that's won more postseason games in two years yeah. than than yeah. than the Royals did mm. so yeah, the formula um, yeah. well that so that that's I, I think that speaks to or at least brings up the uh, the question are are the Royals of twenty eighteen ahead of the Royals of 2006? Um, so that's a good, like, uh, in, in some ways they are not. Um, and in some ways they are. Uh, I think the big league team is better. And I, w- I was just looking at um, 2006. Do you guys know what, who led the what, 2006 What was that Royals? lineup? Uh, I like the grin that comes over your face <laughs> as you're looking at it. <laughs> uh, do you guys know who, who led the two? I wouldn't have guessed this, I don't think. But... Um, the 2006 Royals leader in RBIs? I'm not even going to embarrass myself by guessing. That wasn't the – no, Guillen was gone by then, wasn't he? That wasn't, Guillen was gone. Or no, Guillen wasn't there yet. Oh, Guillen came later. Not Brown. Emil Brown. Emil, Emil. I, didn't, I never knew it was Emil or Emil. Yeah. Emil Brown. How many RBIs? He can beat you in so many ways. Uh, 81. 81 he had, RBIs. He had like 20 home runs that year, didn't he? Uh, he had 15 that year. Uh, okay. Mark Tian who I believe was the team player of the year that year, uh, led the team with 18 homers. Ah. Led the team with 18 homers. I believe that starting staff was pretty stout that year, too. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't say this without like giggling, but the rotation? Uh, most of these guys, like very nice guys, by the way. like Good clubhouse fr- Friendly guy. in the clubhouse and all. I want to say that up top. Um, that was the year Mark Redman made the all-star team, I believe, led the team with uh, 1.6, or I'm sorry, 167 innings, uh, led the team with 11 wins, led the team with 11 wins. Um, <laughs> well, what's this year? A uh, 5.71 ERA, but that wasn't the worst of the starting staff, guys. That would be <laughs> Renelvis Hernandez. Oh, God. Who yeah. once inspired, as long as we're talking about Buddy Bell, who once inspired Buddy Bell to say, you're not good enough to be this much of an a-hole. Is what he said. <laughs> uh, how, how do you like uh, all right, uh, Andy Cisco out of the bullpen? Um, they gave him 65 appearances. 65 appearances, and his ERA was 7.1. 7.1. I know it was a different game. Like there were more runs, but holy crap! I've seldom heard you. Uh, as a device, repeat numbers. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, for reference, um, uh, leading the Royals in victories at this point with, what, two weeks left in the season, Jacob Junis, Danny Duffy, and Brad Keller each have eight. Oh, gosh. Wow. Wow. There's not going to be a 10-game winner. Uh, right? unless, unless Keller finishes strong or, or, or Junis. Um, How about that? So uh, my money would be on Keller there, but uh, – but Junis has pitched well too. So, so the major league club, I agree, would be ahead of um, of eighteen. Just the, the presence of Perez, um, of a yeah. perennial All Star catcher. Uh, yeah, and, and Maryfield and, and, and Maryfield, yeah. a really yeah, good yeah. player. And Mondesi is already at the big league level. And yeah. have, like small sample size on, but having some success. The one thing that that um, the 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 place where 06 would have been better is um, they weren't expensive. They at least like oh, you know they didn't you know they didn't have these big they didn't have it was uh, like an eighteen million dollar payroll right I yeah mean, it didn't was... have the Gordon contract didn't have the Ian Kennedy contract yeah. I mean those those are bad um, and then they also 
I think this is one of those reasonable minds could disagree about the farm system as a whole, but I think most baseball people would take the 06 farm system because they had uh, Gordon. Um, Butler. Really? But- Butler was there, and Zach, I think, had come back and pitched at the end of that season. Uh, yes. Um, you know, so so he, he had left, like, during spring training, if I remember right. Yeah. And then came back later in that year. So those are three, you know, and they all turned out to be really good players. Um, and, and at the time, like, three kind of top-shelf prospects. The the Like, this team now probably has more, you know, like a, broader, a, a, a broader base. bench yeah. or whatever yeah. prospects. But I don't think they have anybody. Whoever the third-best prospect out of that group is, Butler, Gordon, Greenkey. I don't think this team has – this franchise has anybody as good as, as – How about that? That's really interesting. Yeah. It's uh... – I think I think people would say that. Well, people, I, I, I guess it's been suggested that, uh, that it was was that the the Wichita Wranglers team of uh, was that the yeah. you know that was just a monster team. Yeah, that, it had like eight first round picks. Yeah. or something. Yeah, uh, and so there's some suggestion that the this Lexington Legends team. That's where they're at. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is a notch below, right? That the Wichita team was double A. They this were double A. Yep. Low single A. Mm-hmm. Um, is that still uh, you know it it took it still took. A, a few years longer, uh, a couple years longer at least, for the the class of 06, 07 to develop into a, a winning team. They didn't have the winning record until 13. Yeah. And then 14 and 15 were, were magical. Um, I'm I, I'm thinking that Dayton and, and the group, having been through that experience, uh, have a sense of this and a feel for it. And, and maybe that experience will pay off in accelerating the process this time. That'd be my gut feeling on this, too. And certainly you can you can criticize decisions they've already made along the way that have either impeded that. But you can also say X, Y, and Z have worked out right, you know, some things they've done right to set it up. The thing that strikes me, and it's I have to flip it on you guys as a question because I wasn't here then, I do feel like you look at this scenario now and you think it's inevitable that they will be competitive again within a few years. I think you think that. I think that. But I don't know if you thought it was inevitable in 06 that they'd ever be competitive under Dayton. And so just that reframes, right? You don't yeah. know. You don't. Well, you didn't. You didn't trust. No, no basis. You, you didn't trust anybody then. The brand. Yeah. The brand stunk everything. Oh, yeah. I, I right. Thought, so in 06, it was inevitable that they would never win. No, no, that was <laughs> right. Like, that they, was they were, right. They were going to be bad forever. So there was yeah. no reason to even buy in on like this is just the latest guy coming to town, and I would, you know, I think like, other than you it, might think well of him, right? I mean, it, it, there was reason to think well of him, but what he can get done is, you know, another question. By 07. Um, the thing that changed was in 07, you would hear people in other organizations say, look, we know the history, you know, obviously paraphrase, but look, like we know the history there, but this is different. Like they're at least doing things the right way. They're, they're, this is a major league organization now. They're like, you know, spending money on amateur talent. They opened up a, a an academy um, in the Dominican. They may have been 30 out of 30 to do that, but still they did it. Um, they spent on amateur talent in a way that they hadn't before. I mean, th- those things were real. And, and that's not something that they were saying like um, – and it's not their fault. But that's not something that, that other baseball people were saying when Herc Robinson was in, in charge and, and, and Alan okay. Barrett. You know, because they just didn't have the funds. You know, I've always, I've always thought this, that Dayton's greatest strength is not like scouting or whatever. Um, but it was like convincing David Glass – that he had to operate a little bit differently. By the way, I assume this, but uh, I, I'm not certain of it. Uh, Dayton doesn't take the job without those assurances, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. Because okay. and, and he had the juice to do it, like because because yeah. by then, like David Glass had been 
when just like they lost 100 on the nose in 06, but lost, you know, 106 and 104 the previous two seasons. Industry punchline and and David Glass was just kind of fed up finally with, you know, this isn't working. I need to go outside because, you know, it had been like kind of promote from within. I need to go outside. And Dayton did, you know, he'd turned down jobs before. Right. He turned right. down the Red Sox. He turned down the Diamondbacks. He turned down, um, you know, and so he didn't need the job. He was ha- he would have been the next GM, um, right. you know, in Atlanta, a place where he grew up. Um, so he didn't need the job. So he could kind of like, you know, he had some leverage. Yeah. You, know, you go yeah. into a, a yeah. negotiation and you don't really need the job. And, and, and the people around you are telling you, don't take that job. <laughs> you know, you, you may hold out for, you know, a few more things than, yeah. than you would otherwise. Okay, so um, again, they're at 99 losses. The Royals are going into tonight's game, and 106 is the franchise record. And um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think about those things. Maybe that's the old baseball guy in me. I, you I have to. Yeah. I, I know that number, and I don't want this group to have that number. And they'll have to play what 500 or better. I, I don't have the I don't have the schedule up in front they of me. They would need here. to win 57 games, right? Um, that would be 105 losses. Right. Yeah. So they need to win five, five out of, what would that be, 13? Five out of 10. Five out of 11. 11. Five out of 11. Five, out of five 11. and six the rest of the way. Five and six to avoid it. And they have uh, the game in Pittsburgh. They go to Detroit and Cincinnati and then four against Cleveland to, to yeah. end, the se- in, end the season at, at Kauffman. We'll, we'll see if it happens. They they have been playing better lately. They're kind of fun to watch. It's To watch these young guys, I, sure, I certainly agree with that sentiment that uh, – uh, it's more interesting now. And you, Sam, I remember you making that point, uh, heck, back in May, how much more fun it was going to be to watch the Royals in August and September yeah. than it was at the time. You're absolutely right. So, well, that's going to do it from us. Uh, we really appreciate you tuning in and listening to the Sports Beat Kansas City podcast. For Sam and Vahe, I am Blair, and we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah.